This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance Plus, save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Here's a song that we'd like to do for all the younger set of people, the teenagers and what have you. This one's called Vacation Zone. Wow, vacation is over already? Well, since there might be some new faces out there, follow me on a little tour of this here basement. First of all, see this machine? I turn this knob, hit it twice on top, just like this, and guess what happens when I press this button? Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and hey there, stackers. See Joe's dad's shortwave over there? That's where Joe is going to interview today's guest, Dr. Joseph Cardillo, and discuss his latest book, 12 Rules of Attention, How to Avoid Screw-Ups, Free Up Headspace, Do More, and Be More at Work. And check this out. This is that rickety card table you're always hearing about. Joe and OG sit right here in this very spot when they talk about today's money headlines. Like, for instance, how Apple is booting Epic Games, the maker of Fortnite and a whole bunch of other hit games, out of their app store. Why would they do that and kick that sweet 30% cut from all Epic App Store revenues? Don't worry, we'll clue you in on all the details. And see this Commodore 64 computer? Well, this is where we transcribe the hundreds of questions you all ask the Haven Lifeline. Today, in fact, Shane will ask about contributing to an IRA even when you don't qualify for the tax benefit. Is it still worth it? And, of course, you can't forget about the best part of the entire show. 
It's my hit trivia segment where I try to stump you three times a week. And now, two guys who need to go on vacation more often. This work thing's totally overrated. It's Joe and O-J-J-J-J-G. It's so underrated. This is my favorite day, the day that we come back for a fresh eight weeks. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Stacky Benjamin Show. I am Joe Selsey. Hi, Average Joe Money on Twitter. And across the card table, I'll limber up and ready to start not just a brand new week, but a brand new eight weeks. It's my good friend, the other guy, or as we call him here, colloquially, O-G. I am uh, filing this day under protest as obviously today's Labor Day and also should still be a vacation. How did we not get a, how did we not get a, a, <laughs> an extra few days here? Like it's built into the system. Somebody messed this up. We got to talk to somebody. Stop looking at me like who's, that. It's not the, my fault. Who's the calendar? Who's the person in charge of the calendar? It is. Nah, it's okay. It's it, okay. We've it had a week fault. off. Hey, it's everybody. Work. Yeah. Everybody else plays, but we're here hard at work. That's just the way it works. OG. That's, that's right. We are grinding this thing out. For it's a late Labor Day. That's the problem. It's just, it's the, it's a late, it's usually for the first two or three days and now it's the seventh, you know. And frankly, the celebration is warranted and people work hard, but is it really a holiday? Like, come on, we've been, we've been stuck in our house for how long now? Is it truly, are there such thing as holidays? The holiday is the day when you get to go back to the office. (laughs) Please let me go back. The good news is you don't need to go back to the office to find great help for your project. Big thanks to Fiverr for supporting Stacking Benjamins. How about that one, huh? We've been off a week and I didn't lose it. I still got it. You still got it. It's so easy to find freelance talent for your business or product. Don't waste any more time. Get 10% off and the service you deserve because you're a stacker by going to F-I-V-E-R-R.com and use code SB. It's Fiverr.com code SB. We got a great show today. Joseph Cardillo going to kick this thing off talking about work, how to get more done at work, be more productive, or at the very least make it. So on those zoom calls, your boss stops giving you that weird eye every time that, uh, that they call on you. My zoom name is reconnecting. (laughs) I need to steal that one. I've seen 5,000 memes. I haven't seen that one yet. Yeah, where you make the, the screen black and you put the, the GIF in there, of like the spinning thing that says reconnecting, <laughs> dot, dot, dot. Just go take a nap. <laughs> That's great. Well, don't nap on this show because we've got some great headlines. And then Dr. Joe Cardillo. So let's uh, fire up the engines, guys. Kick off another eight weeks. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show. Our stacking Benjamin's headlines. Our first headline comes to us from Board Panda. You could, t- <laughs> yeah, I love it when we kick off. We kick off our eight weeks with a site that I go to when I'm bored to tears. Boardpanda.com. Britney Spears breaks silence, tells court she wants her dad removed from being her conservator of 12 years. I'm sure you may have seen this headline, OG. I definitely keep up with Britney Spears. This is written by... Lucia Adamate and Alona Biante. Brittany continues the legal battle to claim back the control of her life and fortune she hasn't had for the past 12 years. It all started back in 2008 after the pop singer went through several mental breakdowns and the court put her estate, financial and personal assets under the conservatorship of her father and a lawyer. 
Today, though, Brittany stands strong and is no longer willing to give her dad the power to control her life. She has now asked a California court to end her father's role as a conservator. And according to the court papers, her lawyer, Samuel D. Ingram III, said Brittany is strongly opposed to James continuing as sole conservator of her estate. Instead, she prefers a qualified corporate fiduciary to manage the business affairs of her state. In fact, since this came out, OG, Brittany's sister has also applied to be part of the new conservatorship and has also requested that uh, they move the money from wherever it is. They didn't talk about where the money was, but uh, move the money to Fidelity, which to me, by the way, if you're talking about moving your money to a place like Fidelity, makes me wonder if Brittany started questioning some of the stuff going on with her with her cash. It seems like it would already be at a place like a Vanguard Fidelity, T. Rowe Price, TIA, you know what I mean? It, it would already be at some big name professionally managed spot. Yeah, well, it probably is, I would think. I mean, it's not in dad's safe. <laughs> you know, it's, it's hopefully not in dad's like stockpile account. Like, like oh, I'll just throw it in with mine, you know, I guess maybe. But, you know, most of the big custodians, I think all of them, I suppose, have a corporate trustee department. And that's a good place for a backup. You know, we use corporate trustees as a backup for estate planning. You know, when you've got your person listed or your people listed on your estate plan that you want to have be the trustees of your money. And if for whatever reason they're not around or they don't want to be it, you know, we've got that already designed in advance. So you don't have to go through and do this. You know, now it's a little different because Britney Spears is still living. But nevertheless, it's still a good idea to have a secondary trustee. Or, or a contingent trustee for your own personal stuff. So tell me this. Do you like this move going away from her dad? Well, I don't know. I don't know the details of it. It's assuming that everything was kind of on the up and up as it relates to his behavior, then all it is to me is probably somebody who understands that Britney's got $25 million and the Fidelity rep down the street was like, I'm going after that. <laughs> I can get that here at Fidelity and I'm going to get my bonus on that or whatever. If Brittany's dad was doing something incorrectly or below board or not fulfilling the duties to which that he was supposed to, then it's obviously a really good thing. But you can still keep the money where it is and fire the trustee. You don't have to move it from Schwab and move it to Fidelity because you change trustees. That's right. Unless you're using the Fidelity corporate trustee. You know, there's two sides to every argument here. One thing that I like about a family trustee is that the family member knows you. But I also, like you said, having the corporate backup is always good. I, though, on the other hand, OG, have seen the corporate trustee only, which, by the way, we did an Instagram poll on our Instagram page to see what people thought. And most people, over 90% of the respondents said that this should move to a corporate trustee. Corporate trustee can run amok if you don't have a check and balance. I mean, yeah, well, everybody thinks it's great, but I've seen probably more issues with corporate trustees than with people trustees. There's a very famous story uh, here in Texas and Dallas in particular about the widow of, I think he was this former CEO of American Airlines or something, uh, some, you know, very well known family here in the Dallas area. And they had the corporate trustee of a bank and uh, a big bank, but it was a huge amount of money. I mean, it wasn't $15 million. It was like 
$800 million. Wow. I think and I remember us talking about this back we, in the early we, days of the show, like seven or eight years ago, didn't we? We probably did, yeah, because this was a really big story. And the long and the short of it was, was that the trustees, the people in charge of it, figured out a way to effectively lock everybody out of any decision-making and also getting any of the money. So here's this widow who's been, been left $800 million who got evicted from her house because she couldn't make the mortgage payment. Because the trustee was just hoarding the Because money. the trustee, well, that and part of their plan, according to the courts, was to pit one side of the family against the other. And when you have all that discrepancy, then there's the lawyer stuff that gets involved, and then nobody does anything <laughs> for years and years and years. And that was part of their plan, according to the courts. So it took a long time for this for this person to uh, to remove herself from it. The other thing you have to be concerned with with the corporate side of things is that you're not going to ha- likely have the same relationship. You're not going to have likely the same person or people in charge all the time because, you know, just like any other sort of business, corporations change over their personnel. You may not be able to have your money invested in the way in which you're accustomed or in the way in which you would like it to be invested because corporate trustees have have a different philosophy generally speaking on how to invest money and that and that philosophy is never lose a penny now we all know that loss is different than temporary market declines but the average consumer sees their investment account go from a million dollars to 800,000 in march they say well i lost 200,000 corporate trustees are likely trying to make sure that you never see that so that insinuates that your money is going to be invested very conservatively. And of course, you know, if you've got 800 million bucks, you can invest as conservatively as you want. If you've got 2 million and you're trying to take care of two generations moving forward, you know, you you need some market returns in there. So it's not always the best thing that you can come up with, but it's better than, um, better than nothing. And I think it's a great idea to have, to have as a secondary backup for ours. I'll tell you real quickly, we have like a hybrid of this for our trustees, for our uh, estate plan. You know, we've got young kids and ours are three people. And it's like a, from an investment standpoint, kind of like an investment committee, all three people have vested interests in it, but all three are not going to necessarily agree. And so to us, that seems like the easiest way to make sure that there's some checks and balances in there that one person doesn't say, well, you know, Alex needs to have a Ferrari, you know, he's 18. And, and hopefully the other two go, no, no, a used Toyota will be fine. You know what I mean? Like that's what that's designed for is, is so that there's, there's a little bit of uh, extra checks and balances in there. All three people that we trust and that we think would do a fine job independently, but just another layer of, of protection there. Was this just retaliation again for not me, not inviting you to game night? Is that what that is? Cause apparently I missed my invitation to be on that committee. So, Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, you were fourth. Then that was just a weird thing. I'll, I'll try not to take it personally. I don't trust your investment decision making. <laughs> what, when I took the uh, winnings I made on um, XM Radio and invested that into Sirius stock? That doesn't reek of somebody who knows what they're doing. We all have great <laughs> stories of, of our sandbox money, and then and then we all have stories like you also. <laughs> Trust me, Marissa Mayer is awesome. <laughs> Yahoo will never go down. I didn't say Yahoo will never go down. Oh, that's right. You said it will only go up. My bad. Look at what happened when they when they spun off their Alibaba money. Cha-ching. I don't even know. I'm just 
Big, I, I don't pay attention, so it's hard for me. Big to, stuff. Yeah, you pay attention. That was just the only example take, that I had. Just enough to take a pot shot. Uh, the the second headline here is uh, well, while we're going over big stuff, let's go from Britney Spears to video games. How about that? What a great oh. way to kick off our eight weeks. For people who don't follow video games, there's this big game called Fortnite, which is run by a company called Epic Games. Well, uh, news a few weeks ago, Apple kicked Fortnite off of the App Store, which immediately, of course, triggered a lawsuit from Epic demanding that they uh, let them back on. Apple responded, by the way, that saying that Epic was trying to get special treatment. What they were doing, OG was that Fortnite is a free game to play, which meant that when it comes to revenue sharing, Apple was getting nothing. And then Epic was telling people that all these in-game things that you buy, you can buy it through the App Store if you want, but you'll pay a lot less for it if you go around Apple and instead buy the stuff on Epic's own site. So Epic was cutting Apple out of revenue streams on this huge game. So Apple gave them the boot saying that that's against their, uh, their terms of service. So Epic games though, last week just won a temporary restraining order. This piece, by the way, is from the verge written by Russell Brandom as Sean Hollister and Jay Peters. Uh, Epic games just won a temporary restraining order against Apple, at least in part effective immediately. Apple can't retaliate against the company by terminating the developer account used to support the company's unreal engine. So in, most of the games out there are made with Unreal, and Epic was about to lose a crap load of money if Apple pulled Unreal out for Epic Games um, not following protocol. But in the same ruling, Judge Yvonne Gonzalez-Rogers decided that Apple will not be required to bring Fortnite, which it had banned after Epic added an in-app payment system in violation of Apple's rules back to the App Store. The court finds that with respect to Epic Games motion as to its games, including Fortnite, Epic Games has not yet demonstrated irreparable harm. The current predicament appears of its own making, Rogers wrote, saying that Epic strategically chose to breach its agreements with Apple and thus disturb the status quo. So you got two things going on here. You got the big, you got the big platform where all this stuff happens taking these huge cuts, OG, these monster cuts in the game when ostensibly besides provide the platform, Apple did nothing. And I believe for a lot of these agreements, they they're taking, they're o- taking 30%. Only, only, they did nothing. Only except uh, produce whatever it was, 600 million iPhones from which this place can play. And, and also the platform in which it could be developed for free. And also organize all of this in a format and produce the technology that allows you to play the thing. 30% of every game for that. Yeah. Well, it's whatever they want. That's the deal that they signed. Think of it this way. And I've read Apple's response to this, which was, I thought was well-crafted and I'm paraphrasing, but it basically said, we're happy that you were able to be so successful with your game using our stuff. Which actually is funny because that was my point when I was thinking about this, is that the role of Rainmaker in any organization the role of being able to be the person who markets and finds the customer is nearly always OG, the highest paying job at any company. And if you're thinking about stuff, thinking about, I think most people think about making a better mousetrap, making a better thing, but knowing how to market that thing is a skill that very few people have and becoming good at that skill always pays a bunch of money. 
Well, in Epic Games' perspective, you know they're looking at it going, "Gosh, we you know we did a three billion dollars of revenue last year. We could have done four billion if we wouldn't have given a third of it to to Apple." But the reality is, is that they they would have done zero. I mean, this game obviously super popular on every platform, Xbox and whatever the other PlayStation, you know, and it would have been successful there too. But as I understand it, it's it's pretty evenly split. They make just as much money from from Apple's platform as they do the other places too. And so that's kind of the deal that you signed up for when you first signed up for it. So you can't then just kind of midway through say, cool, thanks for the billion dollars a year of cash. My kids have an interesting take on this, which I thought was pretty cool. First of all, did you see the part, the co- kind of a corollary to this, did you see the part where if your phone still has Fortnite on it, you can sell it on eBay for thousands of dollars? <laughs> So if you haven't upgraded to the new app store, which eliminates it. They can't take it off. No, nope, yeah. they can't take it off. So oh. it's not on the app store anymore, but if it's on your phone, it's still there. You can still play. You can still use it. So people are selling their iPhones on, on eBay with Fortnite installed for thousands of dollars. I don't know if any <laughs> sales are happening, but that's what they're being offered. My kids were like, I'm selling my iPhone. I'm like, yep. I said, but listen, if you 10,000 bucks for your iPhone... I'm game, man. <laughs> like, well, that's, that's, I'm cool with that. And by the way, this is what OG said. He goes, yup, and I'm going to get 30% of that because I'm going to list it. 30 cents on the dollar. That's yeah. right. It's called taxes. But the kids had an interesting take on that. They said, Dad, Fortnite's going down. Like, they're just not, it's not as popular as it was three years ago. Then the boys said, this is just their way of, like, keeping the money about the same. And if you read the stuff that Epic Games has come out with kind of ahead of this, basically this dude who runs it, or at least runs the Fortnite side of it, sent the email to Tim Cook at like two in the morning. It's almost like he had a drunken tirade at two in the morning, like, this is ridiculous and we're, we're, this is what we're doing and there's nothing you can do to stop us. And can you imagine like Tim Cook waking up and being like, oh, I got an email. Oh, it's from Bill over at uh, Epic Games. What does it say? Uh, up yours, Tim. We're taking the cash. <laughs> you think Tim just was like, okay, well, we'll see how that works out for you, buddy. You know, like... Well, but yeah. there also has to be a point when you might be able to renegotiate. And Epic Games, Epic Games is has become so big now that they now have their own platform. You know, people that play games on their computer, EA has their own platform. Origin, I believe it's called. Uh, Valve Games has Steam. I think Epic Games also has a big platform where you can play all of their games and more as well. And I'm wondering if Epic Games thought that they were big enough that they could use this as a first shot to renegotiate their deal. Well, as I understand it, and that could be the case, but as I understand it, it seems as though the contracts are uniform for everyone. Apple just gets their cut. It's regardless of how much or how small or how big your your business actually is. They, they, just, they just get a cut. And I think last year I read that uh, Fortnite brought in like $3 billion worth of in-game purchases or whatever throughout all the platforms. I think yesterday Apple did $3 billion of sales. So I'm pretty sure that Apple doesn't give a crap if Epic's around or not, you know. Are you saying uh, they might be okay? Yeah. I mean, I get it. If you want to try to renegotiate, renegotiate. But to blatantly, and I'm glad that the judge saw it this way, basically to blatantly redo your game so that it, you know, it takes that payment system off of the Apple side and puts it on your side and clearly violating the terms of the agreement. You deserve to get banned. 
Well, yes. And I don't know what went down between, like you said, between Epic and Apple before this, you know, it could have been a 2am tirade or there might've been a series of emails before that, that ended in a 2am tirade. Who no, knows? It was definitely just one single email at 2am. <laughs> did you see the whole thing that they did afterward about like the video of the Apple and stuff like that? I'll have to send it to you. So then they did this whole, like, you know how their stuff is all cartoony? So then they did like a whole video montage of like, it's in black and white, very like circa 1939-ish. Epic Games did this? Yeah, like the Third Reich type of... Wow. But like put Apple as the as the leader, wow. like this character with a big Apple head and like a bite taken out of his head with an angry face. And wow. Yeah, it was shots fired. It is. It, it definitely is. I think that is the lesson number one is that this idea of role maker and the platform being the person that can bring the customer to the business. Man, if you're looking for work and you're wondering about skills to develop, that's a skill that will always pay. It will always, always pay. Don't know if it'll always pay 30%, but it, but, but, but it will always pay. And then uh, when it comes to your estate plan, not just Britney Spears, figuring out who the right conservator is, but at the, at the most, just having checks and balances, thinking about checks and balances, I think is a big part of uh, getting that done correctly. I don't see these very often. Do you remember the, like the political cartoons? They used to be in the newspapers and stuff. Yeah, they still have them. Do they? I haven't. Seen, I don't get a hard copy of a newspaper, so. But I can totally see like the thing that's in my mind is like character of Tim Cook eating an apple with his hand on the head of like the little kid that's running, and that's Epic Games, that's and he's just like, <laughs> you know, like the big kid on the block or whatever's got his yeah. his big old mitt on the yeah on like the little five year old who's trying to like charge him. But does Tim Cook look a little bullyish in that piece? I think he looks like filthy rich in it. Like he's wearing a cape <laughs> and a crown. <laughs> like Scrooge McDuck. Somebody make like, it. Somebody make that for us. Uh, Steckybedjamins.com. We'll post it as a political cartoon on our on our site. Since we don't do politics. The one and only. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll call it business cartoon, not a political because that's not really political. Yeah, Just a business cartoon. Time for me to go call Dr. Joseph Cardillo on my dad's shortwave. He's a national leader in holistic healthcare. He's a best-selling author of lots of books in the field of health, mind, body, spirit, and psychology, including what we're going to talk about today, the 12 rules of attention, how to avoid screw-ups, free up headspace, do more, and be more at work. And we all want to be more at work, and his OG people are going back to work, and the kids are going back to school, and we're starting to refocus on the world of work. We thought this would be a great way to kick off the next eight weeks. Let's say hello to Dr. Joe Cardillo. And joining us on my dad's shortwave radio, it's Dr. Joe Cardillo. How are you, man? Very well. Thanks for having me. Hey, I got to ask you, I get really fascinated about how people get into their profession. When did you first become a student of figuring out what's going on inside the brain and how do we get better attention for ourselves? Oh, this happened a long time ago, quite by accident. I started actually very young, not in any sophisticated way, I'll tell you that. You know, I started um, with a study in martial arts when, when I was a very young boy. 
And I, I think my parents thought it would be a good way to discipline me. So I, I started with that and I got interested right away, you know, in that that whole idea of Eastern thought and uh, particularly meditation and mindfulness and things like that. But at a very, you know, in a very adolescent way. And so there was a university not too far from where I lived and and they had a meditation chapel. And so I would go there and I would, you know, try to figure this thing out. Um, as a very young man. And that got me interested um, in how the mind can affect the body. And then I kind of stayed with that interest as I continued my own practices into adulthood. And I realized at some point that, you know, this idea of being able to control what happens to us with our mind is a real possibility and can be done. And then later, I realized that, that you could use the body to control the mind. And that made a big, huge difference for me because sometimes when our mind is, let's just say you're feeling blah, you're, you know, you're, you don't feel like you have enough energy to do whatever it is that you're involved in. You can use the body to affect your mind and, and you can wake your mind up with your body. And we've all, we've all experienced that in even simple ways, like taking a walk when we we're feeling kind of bummed out, we take a walk and we suddenly just feel better. So those kind of relationships got me very interested in this. And here we are seven books later <laughs> with the 12 <laughs> rules of attention. <laughs> and well, I'm still figuring it out. It's not like I've got to complete, you know, or anybody has to completely figure it out. Well it, well, it's such a deep topic. And I think about that. I mean, that was an early lesson that I had. I had a coach that taught me what you're talking about, which is to change your state, right? Like if you're getting a case of the sleepies, go change your state. And I remember before I used to do, I used to do television all the time. And before I would go on TV, I learned from another coach to do some jumping jacks uh, a couple minutes before, like four or five minutes before to get the blood pumping so that my brain would start going and I would bring this energy to the channel. So you're, you're right. It's kind of a two-way street, isn't it? Absolutely. And and for me, one of the things that I enjoyed so much was realizing that when we get ourselves into a state of flow, like many athletes feel or musicians or anybody, even when we're reading a book, we can transfer that beautiful mindset into the next task. And wouldn't it be wonderful to bring that into work? But that's so difficult, as you've out outlined in your book. I mean, I don't need to put a spoiler hashtag thing here, Dr. Joe, but, it's, <laughs> but, but we have an attention problem here. Yeah, we do. We do. And, and there's all kinds of statistics that are popping up all over the place that show just how it is, you know, and businesses are losing somewhere in the vicinity of $650 billion a year due to, you know, worker error because of lack of focus and attention. So, yeah, we do. But you say there's also frustration for us. I mean, there's a business cost. There's also a cost for us because we miss so much because we can't pay attention. That's right. So the personal loss for me is one of the major reasons I, I wrote the book as well as for worker, you know, what, what we can do to improve our performance at work, but also the, the personal cost on our careers, on our daily happiness and, and so on. Is our phone the problem? I mean, everybody, I, I keep reading these things that say, if we just put down our phone and we, we, we turn off our alerts on our phone, turn off the alerts on our computer that maybe we'll focus better then, is that the issue? Um, I really don't want to put too much emphasis on that as being the issue. And I, I want to I want to almost say no, but I can't say a complete no. Of course, our telephones can be a distractor. Um, I just turned mine off, as a matter of fact, before the interview. They can be a distractor. But then again, anything 
can distract us. And we're built with an attentional system upstairs in our heads that enables us to deal with distractors. And so if we're being constantly distracted, you know, we might try to do something about our environment if that's what it is. But many times, it, you know, the distraction is not just an external thing like a telephone or a cell phone or something like that. It's something more organic. It's something inside us that allows us to be distracted. I kid around in my book about it. And I, you know, I say things like, you know, the cell phone doesn't sit around all day thinking up ways to mess up my life. You know, if I'm on the cell phone, there's something in me that's attracted to that. Well, and I think to your point, there's so many other distractions. Like I've got the window here, the wind is blowing. I can see the leaves. Like that's kind of a distraction. I've got a light on over here that shouldn't be on. And my brain goes to these leaves. My brain can go over to that. Like, it's not just, it's not just that you even say that people early on, like hunting mastodons, like there's so, <laughs> there's so many things that they had, you know, there's so many reasons we can be distracted from the task at hand. Yeah. I mean, wherever we are, we're so overwhelmed with detail that distraction is just part of the human condition. And so we need to be able to access our focus in order to turn that off. Well, let's dive into this because I'm really fascinated by it. There's so many key terms and key concepts, but I think maybe the most fundamental one that our stackers need to know about is this idea you have about executive attention. Can you explain this idea? Yeah, I like to use the image of a spotlight. And so our executive attention is kind of like the CEO of our mind. And we can control our entire attentional system with that CEO. And we can override urges. We can, you know, if the cell phone's bothering us, we can override that. We've got an attentional mechanism that again, we call executive attention that allows us to choose where we want to aim that spotlight that is our focus. And so I can I can aim my focus in a very wide lens. I give you a good example. You know, whenever we go to a concert, we can look at the whole stage. We can observe a whole orchestra or a whole rock band, and then we can zero in on one instrument. That's the spotlight that we have. We can widen it. We can narrow it. We can move it around. We can turn it off to certain detail. And so our executive attention is that part of the network that we call attention in our head that allows us to do just that. When you were writing this, I had an image. And by the way, this is my image, not yours. So feel free to refute <laughs> this. Almost like a computer where I've got the RAM up front, right? The stuff that my computer's using right now. And I've got the hard drive in the back. Is there really any similarity like that or is that a poor construct of how the brain's working? I should probably just ask you, how is this really working for us chemically in the brain? Well, in days of old, we used to like to use the image of a computer, you know, that our brain is working or our, our attention system is working like a computer. But now we like to use the, the image of multiple computers feeding through a motherboard. And so your executive attention, what we call the CEO of your focus or your attention mechanism, is able to control all the information that's coming in through that motherboard. And so you can literally turn things up, turn things down and so on. So if at one point you want to increase your audio attention, you can do that. So if I were to bring my voice down to a whisper, you could follow that. And by raising your audio attention, 
if you wanted to zero in on one little detail, you could fade everything else out and zero in on that one detail. So we've got this capacity. <clears throat> and the interesting thing is, is that it's kind of fun to learn about how attention works in the brain because it's like getting a new device and learning how to use the apps on it. I, 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 I totally thought that as, as I'm reading what you're writing, I'm thinking, oh, I've got a bunch of capacity here because with your analogy, then the other computers are still running. I have these inputs, maybe at, st at that concert, maybe my feet hurt because I'm standing up. Maybe I have to go to the bathroom because I've had too much beer or whatever it might be. Uh, but, but I have all these other things going. But because my spotlight, my CEO is not focused on that, I'm deciding what to do with those inputs. But the inputs are still coming in. That's right. And we can decide where we want to put that spotlight. And again, we can also decide where we want to turn it off to. Your first rule of attention is called, do you speak my language? And you begin, <laughs> you begin with two people who both have these slips in attention that frankly happened to us all. Jack can't remember where a meeting is. I've done this a bajillion times, by the way. Uh, that's a technical term. I don't know if you know that, Dr. Joe, it's a bajillion. He goes, <laughs> he goes to the old place where the meeting is and then he gets there and the door's locked and he realized the meeting's been changed and he totally forgotten. Susan is idling at a red light. The oncoming traffic starts moving. She does too, but then she realized the green's not for her, right? There's people turning left. She almost gets that's in right. an accident <clears throat> because she's on this autopilot. What's going on there? Well, our brain and our attention mechanism loves patterns. And so if we're not regulating, if we're not using that CEO, that executive attention, then our attention will regulate itself to the pattern that it thinks is best for the situation. So for example, whenever we're in a situation, any kind of experience at all, our brain creates Within a millisecond, this is the, the very cool part, within a millisecond, our brain creates a sort of miniature experience that it bases on where we're at at the moment. And so it creates a miniature experience and then very quickly, also in, in milliseconds, it scans everything. It scans our memory, it scans our emotions, it scans our thoughts and so on. And it goes, it goes and brings that information forward to us. It's kind of like it sends out little scouts and into our brain, into our memory, our feelings, our thoughts our actions from every time we've been in a similar situation. And it comes back and it reports to the CEO, which is our executive attention. So it comes back, it reports to the CEO very, very quickly. And then the CEO can make a decision at that point. If you don't make a conscious decision at that point, your brain will do it for you. And it'll do it based on the most common information that it's discovered. And so <laughs> this is kind of fun, really. So this is why we tend to repeat mistakes because our brain is just trying to help us and it finds the pattern most apropos for that situation. And that's the one that triggers. I mean, how many times have we said, if I get in this situation again, I'll never say this. And then we do and we say it, we're kicking ourselves or saying, oh, no, I did it again. And the result is the same. Right. And then we tell ourselves again, I'll never do that again. Next time. There we are again. It's so easy to correct because all you have to do is to make yourself mindful of the fact that at that juncture, you really do have a choice and you can make that choice. Well, and that brings up a couple, well, it brings up a couple of powerful things. I mean, the first thing is the power of the fact that your brain 
likes repetition. And I'm guessing this is the power of habit, right? Of your brain liking repetition. So if you can train your brain through repetition, how to act in those areas where your CEO is busy. That's right. And that's where some very popular terms these days, that's where something like uh, awareness and mindfulness and attention all kind of come together with this idea that's a very old idea. And that's an idea of reflection and visualization. And so what happens is, is that let's say that I do say I, I do repeat a pattern that I don't like. Instead of just telling myself, I'll never do that again, because if you do that, you know what? You're going to do it again. (laughs) For sure, you're going to do it again. But one thing that we can do is we can use our awareness, which is part of our attention. We can use mindfulness, and then we can use our focus. And let, let me give you a way that you can do that. Once you become aware of something, that you do something, if you reflect on it, you've got to do this a couple of times. If you just do it once, it really won't work much. Training your focus is not like uh, uh, taking a pharmaceutical, where when we take a pharmaceutical, we expect it to work. You know, within 20 minutes, it's kicked in or even sooner. And you're going to get the full, you know, the full blast of that particular pharmaceutical right then and there. When you train your attention, it's not like that, because what you're doing is you're, by the way, all other mind-body tools aren't like that either. What happens is, is that you're weakening the old pattern little by little. So it takes about two, three weeks. You're weakening the old pattern little by little, and once you weaken it enough, the new pattern will take over completely. If you only weaken it slightly, then it will supersede or overcome the new pattern that you're trying to establish. So if I'm trying to change a pattern, first thing I want to do is I want to reflect on it. By reflecting on a situation and spotlighting, identifying that point that we want to change We've begun weakening the old pattern because what that does is the next time that pattern comes up, your brain wants to try to inhibit it if that's what we want to do. Or if we want to pay attention to it, the awareness will make you pay attention to it, one or the other. Uh, So the first thing you do is to zero in on that pattern that you want to weaken and then visualize a new pattern that you could substitute instead. And so now what you're going to do is by reflecting on the pattern that you want to change, maybe the thing that you said in a particular situation that you'd like to say differently next time, if you identify it, then visualize a new phrase that you could use or uh, something else you could say that's more in line with your goals. And then you continue to use that visualization before the next experience randomly as often as you can. When that situation pops up in real time, that's where your attention will go. It will go to where you're training your brain to go because you've weakened the old pattern. You've given it a new pattern and you've been paying constant attention to that new pattern. In other words, you've developed a new habit in your mind and it'll kick in in real time. That brings up another fascinating uh, facet of all this, which is you talk about having these and it's been implicit in everything you've said so far, which is. You're talking to your brain and you say that talking to your brain is really something easy to do and your brain listens and you should talk to your brain as much as possible. Many times when we have a great day, we celebrate, which is what we should do, (laughs) but we have a great day and we don't really, you know, we identify what happened that was great. But we don't necessarily put much, much thought into why it turned out great. So we should we should reflect on those as well. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. We generally pay attention when something went really wrong. And we yeah. say, oh, wow. Well, you know, what did I do to make that happen? Well, when something when something uh, happens, it's great. We should do the same thing. We should say, wow, you know, what what did I do to make that happen? And if you if you sort of walk through the footsteps that led up to that, you'll start to see certain things that certain thoughts, certain feelings, certain energy that you felt that really made that happen for you, certain detail that you picked up on and paid attention to. And then you can make that part of your visualization for the next time. And if you want to use a computer, it'll update all the links. And so next time, that's where your mind will go. It's so powerful because we talk a lot on the show about if you want if you want to have successful money habits, don't think about them, right? Don't spend your mental energy thinking about it. But when you do something really well, figure out how to automate it. It sounds almost the same way with the brain. Focus on it, reflect on it, and then that will become an automatic piece of your your habit in the future. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, because 96% of what we do all day long is automated. Our mind loves patterns so much that, I mean, 96% of what we do is automated. And, you know, so people ask me, does that mean we're robots? Well, kind of, (laughs) you know, but we need those automations. We need those automations for quick decisions, for quick responses. We need those automations so that when we do something really well, we can do it again uh, to know how to avoid problems. But we also uh, we also rely on those automations to cut through all the overwhelming detail and distractions that we have, because then those automations will kick in. They're not distracted by that. They'll just kick in. This whole conversation reminds me of a joke that comedian Emo Phillips talks about, about the brain. And uh, this, by the way, is uh, I want to play this for you. This is uh, Emo Phillips on a show called uh, Dr. Katz talking about the brain with the good doctor here. You know, doctor, I used to think the human brain was the most fascinating part of the body. Then I realized, well, look what's telling me that. (laughs) (laughs) I love that line, but I think it goes along with what you talk about, which is the brain really wants you to think that you're in control, but 96% of the time it's in control. It's in control. And not only that, you know, there's a lot of humor to all of this, you know, (laughs) that that there really is. I mean, who hasn't gone out to a parking lot to get into a car and then you suddenly realize it's not your car? (laughs) I did that yesterday. I I tried to actually help Cheryl, my spouse. I tried to help Cheryl get into the car. Uh, I went to open the door for her, some chivalrous activity on my end. I was trying to open the car door of the Volvo parked next to us. Yeah. You know, who hasn't gone to the grocery store to buy one item? This is the one item I've got to buy. You go to the grocery store, you buy a whole basket full of items. And on your way home, you realize I didn't buy that one item that I went there for. So, I mean, you know, we all we all do this, but there's a very interesting mechanism in the brain that allows us to think that we're completely in control, (laughs) you know, that, that we really did make that decision. It wasn't an automated decision. Uh, But that's not how it happens in reality. I love that. You have a couple exercises uh, in this first chapter. One of them is just really for the first time thinking very clearly, at least for me, it was for the first time thinking clearly about that spotlight that you talk about. And you ask yourself to go through these questions. Where am I at at this moment? 
What am I trying to do? What should I be trying to do in this situation? What do others think I should be doing in this situation? What are the demands of my environment, distractions that need to be avoided, a large room that requires the need to listen more closely to hear, et cetera? What have I done in similar situations in the past? Do I want to do anything differently? And if so, how? And what's funny is while I was prepping for this interview, of course, and I was reading this, I was going through all of these, like I'm a pilot checking all these different boxes and I can feel the spotlight moving. And what was funny was I realized because I'm here at this Airbnb in Vermont that I still have my laptop on this box that I use when we do interviews and and it was making it really hard to type. I knew that beforehand, but until I shown the spotlight on it, I didn't really think about it. And as I shown the spotlight on all these different areas you asked me about, I can see the effect of, of doing it. So I just encourage people to do that, to, to kind of get a feel for what you're talking about here. Yeah, I call that a self-scan. And there are a few questions as you read them, you know, that you have to go through. But after you, you do that enough times, it itself will become an automation. Yeah, which, and that's the beauty of once you know how the the attention system works, you can you can make your own automations so that your mind will in a millisecond go to where it needs to be, at least where you want it to be, where, you know, where that CEO wants it to be based on really good information input that, from you and you can connect it right to your goal. And you can really change very quickly the way your mind works in situations, particularly the most important situations. I got to tell you, this has been some very super helpful time and just thinking about how we can form a habit and shining that spotlight in the right place. The book is called The 12 Rules of Attention. We went through the first one. There's there's (laughs) 11 more that build on that. How to avoid screw ups, free up headspace, do more and be more at work. I'm assuming the book's available everywhere. Everywhere and on Amazon and all the dot coms. Awesome. And how do people reach you too? You have a website, right? That people can go to as well? Yeah, they can go to Joseph Cardillo, C-A-R-D-I-L-L-O dot com. Awesome. And you know what? If you're walking the dog or you're busy doing something else, multitasking, right? <laughs> like, like we, if, if you're half distracted, we will, we will share the links on our show notes at stackybenjamins.com. Dr. Joe, thanks for joining us, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Great show. Thank you. Hey, stackers, I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. And I'm sure now that you've made it through the first half of the show, you finally realize that I'm the de facto ringleader of this ragtag bunch. Well, I'm glad Dr. Joseph Cardillo stopped by because what he said just clicked so perfectly. What a message. Focus on what matters. Duh. It's so obvious. Why didn't I just do that before? In fact, I took some notes. Instead of just sticking my money in index funds and forgetting about it, from now on, I'm going to focus my investments and get some of those mad gains. I've been researching on my brokerage account, and I think I might have found my winner stock. Check it out. It's called the Southern Corporation of Agricultural Machinery Company, and it's it's doing nothing but going right up, skyrocketing. Seriously, as far as my research indicates, this company does absolutely nothing, but the stock just keeps going up. Before I tell you about my strategy to win big in stocks, let's get to today's trivia. Question is, on this date 
1822, Brazil declared its independence. So the question is, what country did it declare independence from? I'll be back faster than you can day trade some penny stocks. Hey, let's talk about finding freelance talent for your business or project, because sometimes a business needs to quickly pivot in order to meet a goal. In fact, OG, we are working on a new project here and we're starting to look for voice talent for this. uh, I think it's pretty funny new thing that we're working on. But if you have to pivot, maybe an unexpected obstacle occurs, making it impossible to meet your deadline with the size of your current team. So where do we go when we're looking for on-demand talent? How much will it cost? How can we be certain they'll deliver? Well, finding the right freelancer can be time-consuming, frustrating, and expensive. Fiverr's platform helps keep businesses moving with a network of trusted freelance talent. What I love about the vocal work that we get is that I can hear samples so I know what I'm getting ahead of time. I can also read reviews ahead of time that tell me how they've worked with other people. I can also see how many different people they've worked with. So I know if I'm giving an opportunity to somebody just starting out in the platform or if I'm working with a seasoned professional. And depending on the scope of the work that we're doing, sometimes we'll hire one and another time we'll hire the opposite end of the spectrum. But it's not just about vocal talent. It is for all different types of things. Whether you're somebody who's looking for graphic design, copywriting, web programming, film editing, if you need a freelancer, you'll find it on Fiverr. Sellers have worked with some of the most influential brands in the world, including Stacking Benjamins. Nice ad lib. <laughs> like how I ended that sentence. Find, finding talent for your projects never been easier. Review seller ratings, buy your feedback, and select the right freelancer based on your budget. Check out Fiverr.com today, and you're going to get 10% off your first order because you're a stacker by using our code SB. It's so easy. Find all the digital services you need in one place at F-I-V-E-R-R.com. Code SB. Again, that's Fiverr.com. Code SB. Hey, trivia fans. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I've officially done it. I went all in. I just focused on what matters most. Big, big returns and went all in some double leveraged options on my gold mine of a company, the Southern Corporation of Agricultural Machinery. I just put in the ticker symbol S-C-A-M and bam, this thing only needs to go up like 10% today. And if it does, I'm going to be so rich. This stock's about to blow the top right off. And when it does, drinks on me. Yeah, you heard that right. Drinks are on me, people. That's not anything you'd ever hear from Joe and OG. But then again, they don't have the supreme level of focus that Dr. Cardillo and I do that helps them spot opportunities like SCAM. Huh. Guess I never said that out loud before. Well, you know, no worries. It's going to be just fine. Okay. I got to get back and watch this stock sour. I mean, sore. But before I do, let's get back to today's trivia. The question was, on this date in 1822, Brazil declared its independence. So the question is, what country did it declare its independence from? Seeing that the language spoken in Brazil is Portuguese, this should be pretty obvious that they declared independence from that tiny country of Portugal. But like me, Brazil isn't letting anyone pin them down. I got to go get rich. See ya. 
Nice job, OG, with the Portugal. Good work. Kind of easy. Mom's very proud. Yeah, there are, like any good golf course, I think Doug sometimes has like a confidence hole, you know? A confidence piece of trivia makes you feel good before the next one that's 680-yard par three. (laughs) They all look like that to you, based on how you drive. (laughs) They totally do. You should have never... this one, another 600-yarder? I know, Joe, this is 160. It's a short par three. No, Joe, it's just past the windmill. You just got to hit it past the windmill. And you're good. What are those? What are those red red tees? How come I can't hit from them? I kept asking that the whole time we played. I was really upset. So I win if I hit it from these uh, back here all the way up to the red tees on my first shot. Hey, let's throw out the Haven Lifeline. Stop talking about that. <laughs> and tackle. Stop talking about how horribly I play golf. And tackle some of life's most important questions. By the way, you should not have video videoed me. Because, oh my, I just hunch over that ball and whack at it like I'm... I mean, it was the fifth hole by then, and I was trying to say something, but you weren't hearing it, so we just let it go. It's like I'm mining for gold or something. I'm just (laughs) taking the biggest divot out ever. Our friends at Haven Life Insurance Agency put what you value first. Pars and birdies, greens and fairways. It actually says your loved ones and your time, but what's better than loved ones? I like playing golf with my loved ones. Yeah, Absolutely. By the way, she was out playing you. She was playing better than you were the day we played. I agree. Yep. Yes. So I got a lesson. Good it's work. why. That's why they've made buying quality term life insurance actually simple. You head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash Haven Life now to get a free quote application. It's simple. It's online. You get an instant coverage decision, of course, instead of going down to Joe's Life Insurance and Body Shop and getting your cheap quote. This is backed by a company, OG, that's 160 years old, Mass Mutual, so you know they're going to be around when you need them. Today, we're going to throw out the lifeline to Sean. Say hi, Sean. Hey, Joe and OG. It's your other listener checking in. I was doing my taxes this year, and I got a pop-up from TurboTax stating that because I already contributed to my 401k, there is no tax benefit from my IRA. Does that mean since I'm not getting a tax advantage now and I'm putting the money in post-tax that when I go to withdraw it, it won't be taxed? I make too much to contribute to a Roth IRA. I know, good problem to have. Is there any reason I should keep contributing to the IRA or just move everything over to my Vanguard taxable account? I promise not to learn anything and you could tell Gertrude that my shirt size is like my bank account. Double XL. <laughs> Thanks for that question, Sean, and uh, congratulations, by the way, on making enough that you can't contribute to Roth. That's a good thing. But, oh, gee, he may have a problem coming if he doesn't move pretty darn quick. Well, a couple of things I thought of. Number one, he said, should I just move it to my brokerage account? Well, no, you can't do that because it's an IRA. You just don't get the tax benefits of the IRA in terms of the deduction. And I think the other clarification it's important to note is it's also if you have access to a workplace plan. So even if you say, well, I don't want to do my 401k, I want to do an IRA instead. Just merely having access to it excludes you from the tax benefits. How will they catch that? I don't know, but that's how it is. So any contributions that you make to an IRA that are not tax deductible are what are called after-tax contributions. So you don't get any benefit on your current tax year for that $6,000 deposit or whatever the number was. But the money still grows tax deferred, and it's still partially taxable when you withdraw it. So it, And it's still subject to all the same 59 and a half rules and 70 and a half rules and all that sort of stuff. 
The problem is now is you have to keep track of how much of that is your basis over the next however many years you decide to do that or have done it and or as it relates to your taxes because when you go to take the money out in retirement, you're going to have to say, here's how much it was my contribution so as to not get double taxed. The way around this, by the way, what most people do is put that money in that non-deductible IRA and then convert it to a Roth IRA. So you mentioned you're too, uh, to make too much money to do a Roth. This might be an option, but it's only an option if you don't have other IRAs. So if you have SEP IRA or an IRA from an old job and that sort of stuff, now it gets really complicated. So you can put money in the, in the IRA, not get a tax deduction in the current year. You can keep doing that. No big deal. But you also have to keep track of how much you've contributed over your lifetime so that when it comes time to withdraw that, whether you do it as a conversion this year or you do it as a distribution when you're 74, you know how much you're supposed to get taxed on. Yeah, the big danger here is to leave it as an after-tax contribution, especially if you're mixing it with an account where everything else is pre-tax because, oh, gee, that, that, that will create a tracking nightmare that will last your entire life. Well, yeah, I mean, and you're supposed to keep track of your after-tax contributions, I should say your non-deductible contributions on a separate form on your taxes every year anyways. So if you're not doing that, you're doing yourself a disservice anyway. If you're going to have two IRAs, one is, you know, an, let's say an accumulation of old 401ks and that sort of thing, and then one is this one where you want to contribute money to every every year, even though you don't get a tax deduction, just have two separate accounts. Then it's at least easier to know, okay, my contributions on this account were, you know, 6,000 a year for 10 years. You know, at least you have a little bit easier record keeping. But if you're commingling after-tax contrib- non-deductible contributions with your pre-tax contributions, the disservice that you're doing to yourself is you're going to end up paying taxes twice on that money. Because if you haven't kept track of it over your lifetime, the custodian or the IRS doesn't know how much of it should be taxed. Because normally, IRA money is all taxed when it comes out. Well, and I think either way, you're doing yourself a disservice because the amount of record keeping you have to have anyway is just ridiculous. For I think the, the time benefit... Yeah, I mean, it sucks. So... It's an extra step that's un- unneeded. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I For think most people. convert that to a Roth ASAP. Do the Roth conversion as soon as you if possibly you can. can. If you have IRA money already, you yeah. can't do that. Yeah. Thanks for the question. If you've got a question, head to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash voicemail. You can use any device to ask your question as long as your phone, if you can talk on it, you can uh, just press the little button when you go to our site, stackybedjamins.com forward slash voicemail, ask your question. And we will also not only answer your question, but because you're brave, we will send you a Greatest Money Show on Earth uh, t-shirt. So then you can sport some awesome Stacking Benjamin swag. By the way, if you want to check out all the swag out there, because that's not the only shirt that Brad's made stackingbenjamins.com forward slash shirts. You can take a look at the full line, the full lineup of stuff that he has. I'm not sure if I like the Haven Lifeline shirt the best, the circus shirt, or if I like the uh, boxer shirt. I think I like the 50s poster, the 50s movie poster one, maybe, maybe the best. I just like how soft they are. They are super they're soft. pretty soft. Yeah, it doesn't matter which one you get. They're all going to be soft. All right, that's going to do it for today. Lots of people to thank. 
But one last note of housekeeping is if you're looking to march into fall and do better with your money than you have in the past, OG and his team are taking clients. Head to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash OG. And that's the link to OG's team's calendar where you'll be able to interface with his team and see exactly how they can help your team do better with your money. All right. You've got it from here, Doug. What should we have learned today? So what should we have learned today? First, take a lesson from our headline. If you try to cut out the big guy and not play by their rules, you might get burnt. Or, at the very least, know when you're clearly making waves so that you aren't surprised when the inevitable pushback comes. Second, take a lesson from Dr. Joseph Cardillo. You will supersize what you can accomplish when you clear your head. But the big takeaway, my scam stock did it. I'm up 25%. I'm rich. But why would any rational person stop there? Here's what I did. While the guys were finishing up the show, I marched this big wad of cash right to the gas station on the corner, went for the real money in investing, lottery tickets. When they call my numbers for the Powerball, Joe and OG won't be laughing then. No, sir. Those suckers. Thank you to Dr. Cardillo for joining us on Dad Shortwave today. You can find him at josephcardillo.com. We will also have a link to his book, The 12 Rules of Attention, on our show notes page at stackingbenjamins.com. This show is created by Joe Salcihai, produced by Richie Rudder-Reese, and engineered by the amazing Steve Stewart. Online, visit us on Twitter at SBenjamin'sCast or on our Facebook page. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I swear the worst part about coming over to Joe's mom's house is having to put on pants. SB Podcasts may receive payment on the show from sponsors and guests in the form of books, giveaway items, discounts, or other remunerations. That's a big word. There's no way you take advice from these dorks, but like Joe's mom always says, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only. And before making any financial decisions, consult with a real financial advisor. Big thanks to Jennifer, who works at the Quickie Mart down on the corner, for selling me what's sure to be the Powerball winner. I know what that eye roll means, Jennifer. We both know. Let's be clear. I'm not splitting what's sure to be my huge winnings with you. Remember a couple weeks ago we were talking about the lyrics? Yes. That was, so somebody posted, you know, am I the only listener who wanders around the house going, whoa, living on bread. <laughs> and so there's some other comments that I thought were pretty funny. My buddy used to think Van Halen was singing Maxwell Jump. <laughs> I'm Maxwell Jump. <laughs>
<laughs> or Phil Collins' Invisible Touch. She sees a hat and VZ won't touch it. Uh, somebody wrote uh, ACDC, Dirty Deeds and the Thunder Chief. Well, yeah. Is, is it, that's not right. <laughs> somebody goes, never forget Neil Diamond's The Reverend Blue Jeans. <laughs> pretty funny (laughs) those are good so i want to give a little shout out you know just over a week ago i left vermont and uh people that live in vermont by the way oh i slaughtered the name i was i was doing it off the top of my head and i got uh quite a few emails from proud vermonters vermontinians vermontites about this number one beer in the world. And by the way, I don't just double IPAs in me do not get along. So I kept hearing it was the number one beer in the world and it was right less than a block away, half a block away from me, the alchemist brewing. And, uh, you hear about people that send other people here to get beer. They load up. In fact, I do know because they have a sign right in their parking lot that they limit the amount of the beer heady topper. And I think I called it hop topper. Uh, in fact, I know I called it hop topper because I got a lot of people telling me that, uh, Joe, you're way wrong. So thank you for that. But I have to say not just the beer per square mile that's made here is more than I've ever seen any place. I've been to Portland, Oregon, grew up in Kalamazoo, Michigan, which is also known for beer between, uh, bells and, Acadia, uh, lots of other brewing there. I've never seen so many microbreweries as there are in, in Vermont. Holy moly. You people must have a super, super bad winter. <laughs> like at first I thought, well, well, the winter, the winter here would be beautiful, but with all the alcohol all over the place, I'm thinking it's the only way to make it through if you live in Vermont, but just just beautiful. The amount of hiking I've done, uh, the different parts of the state that I visited. If you ever have a chance to come to Vermont. And then we had uh, some friends in New Hampshire tell me that I was on the heavily tax side of the cool border. Mm-hmm. Like I have to spend more time over in New Hampshire where apparently people are taxed a heck of a lot less. And they have the beautiful White Mountains. By the way, of course, this area is my favorite OG because in Vermont... When I was there, I was in the middle of the Green Mountains. New Hampshire has the White Mountains. So, of course, green and white may be my favorite place on Earth. Interesting. Tell us more. Where, where do they have the Maize and Blue Mountains? Yeah. There are usually, uh, usually just put that right on the Michigan State Field. I don't know. <laughs> they, they put the there's, Maize and Blue right on Michigan State's field? Is that what you're saying? There's, yeah. There's, <laughs> it's such a letdown that there's just no, like... There's a little bit of college football supposedly going to happen, but so depressing. It's too soon. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. But anyway, Vermont kick ass back on the road again, a little Alabama in the tape deck in the eight track. (laughs) As people are on the road again, as people are listening to this, I am in the, uh, Guadalupe mountains checking out that area. You have amazing cell reception heading to Carlsbad caverns, the recording quality that, that we were able to maintain in <laughs> Western Texas is amazing. It is. It is incredible. On my way to Palm Springs and uh, California, where I've heard I'm going to spend a month on the surface of the sun, which is going to be great. By the way, you know, so, so, so just one more thing. 
Cheryl is having this, uh, and I know it's not polite to talk about people's ages, but she's having a milestone birthday. So we'll just say that. So she's, so she's having, I thought you were going to say a mental breakdown, but that would also, (laughs) that would also jive with the milestone birthday, but yeah. And probably shouldn't say that on air either, even if she was, which would correlate to living with me, by the way. I get that. Indeed. Mental breakdown, living with Joe. But uh, surprised it took this long. (laughs) (laughs) She, her goal is to see all the national parks. And on this trip, we're going to get six, six national parks. But on her birthday, just the way that the tour worked out, this milestone birthday, we're going to be visiting Death Valley. And we've said that we're going to take, she probably won't wear, wear black the entire day, but we thought we'd dress her in black next to the sign and happy birthday, Cheryl. So that's a good idea. Should be fun. That's Classic. at the end of the month where hopefully at the end of the month in Death Valley, it's only 127. So we'll they see. They just set the record the other day. I know. I Did saw that? that. I saw that. Again. We And we just had the trivia question. Yeah. Like a month ago. Yeah. And, uh, and we broke it. But yeah, that'll so be, be a little hot. That'll be the end of the month. And I think we'll try to be out there at like eight in the morning. I think I think you'll find it's pretty hot at eight in the morning. I think in it's the desert also. I suggest four in the morning. Oh, perfect. Thanks. Hey, you want to come join us? It looks the same. Desolate. Regardless of whether or not there's sunshine or no sunshine. It's like a big beach, so, right? Isn't it just a big hot beach? Isn't that all it is? Yeah, pretty much. The springs about some... the thing that makes a beach a beach, which is water. <laughs> Sands water. That's so then no, it's like a big desert. Yes, exactly. It's like no a big, big deal. That's when you can't afford the beach vacation. You know how the beachfront property is all, oh, you know, tell me about it. super yeah. expensive. So you just take your kid to the desert. You're like, hey, you get everything, but. Could you imagine the Airbnb listing for that? Beachfront living minus the beach, like in parentheses. <laughs> Solid beachfront, no water included. <laughs> yeah, BYOW. <laughs> Bring your own water. <laughs> Set up a little kiddie pool. With Speaking water, of, make sure you water. do bring a lot of water because I understand uh, it can get hot there. So, yes, and if your car breaks to... down, could be a could be a problem. Yep, and a shovel because because it's it's better to dig your own grave in the <laughs> desert than <laughs> at the... Well, at least from today's episode, I'll have my conservator figured out correctly. But you do need to, yeah, you dig a hole in the sand. You know, it's cooler. You know, doubles as a. I'll tell you how that goes. Grave. I'll tell you how you that know. goes. Well, stackers, the show is over, but the party is just beginning here. You know why? Because it's Military Appreciation Month, and we are giving out shout-outs to all of our friends who have served in the military. And let's point uh, the finger right here at our good friend OG, who spent time in the military. And of course, we know what a giver he is, even when he pretends like he's being uh, Mr. Surly. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members to help them reach their goals. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate, and you'll see all their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. They've got all kinds of resources on their site, like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. So much going on. Just head over to NavyFederal.org slash celebrate. Take a look at all the Military Appreciation Month offers and their usual offers. Navy Federal, our members are the mission. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender. 